0: Have you ever seen a bear holding a chair? Okay, Hendrix, right here, babe. This is family life
1: on the road. Family of four. Dad's driving, Emily's singing, Jamie's breastfeeding. I'm literally hunched over the car seat right now, breastfeeding Hendrix, because he was screaming. <laughs> Welcome to our life. Welcome to a new episode of Hot Marriage, Cool Parents.
0: This is Doug Hayner and Jamie Otis, aka Jamie Hayner, aka Jamie N Otis, whatever you want to call yourself.
1: And little Hendrix is here on my lap. So if you hear him, I'm pretty sure that was, I don't know if you heard that belch or not, but that was him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, we are excited that you're back with us for another episode. Today we have on A really fun couple, someone that I hadn't heard of or knew about until we spoke with them. And then I started immediately watching them and subscribing to their channel on YouTube. So it's the Earl's family. They share their relationship, how they got together, but also the fact that within year one, he decided that he wanted to climb Mount Everest.
1: Yeah, their story is seriously so inspirational. But before we get to them, you know what we're gonna do.
0: Five star review time, and this one comes from V. Ryan, who says, love this couple. I started following Jamie by accident, not even realizing this was a couple from reality TV. I love how open they are in every way. Now I have discovered this podcast and it is awesome. She and Doug really make my day, especially during this quarantine. Good job, guys. Well, thank you, V. Ryan.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Thank you. That's so cool. Yeah, I love when people accidentally find us. Yeah, me too.
1: So today we have 3,000 questions about me. We're not going to really answer 3,000, but we are (laughs) going to answer the first 10 questions.
0: Yeah. So we did this last week where we had kind of a this or that game. And I really enjoyed that because we were able to get personal. And I feel like it's a way for Jamie and I to get to know each other
1: more. Okay. So
0: are these like rapid fire questions or?
1: These aren't going to be rapid fire because I'm hoping that you answer in depth. So like, for example, the first question is, what is your idea of perfect happiness?
0: Ooh, These are deep questions. Yeah. Um, my idea of perfect happiness is, I mean, it has a lot to do with being excited for the day, being happy in your heart, No stress, no anxiety. Your family is healthy. Your family is full of love. Your kids are happy. Your wife is happy. So basically
1: a perfect world that doesn't exist (laughs) is your perfect
0: happiness. No, because it could be any combination of these. And it's unrealistic to think that this can happen all the time. But I feel like happiness for me kind of goes on like my priorities as far as happiness have changed. So it's more about my wife being happy, my kids being happy. There is a room filled with love no matter where we are, what situation that we're in. And then that's what makes me happy. So my happiness comes from the people around me's happiness. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, Doug. Yeah,
0: I've been speaking way too long today and my tongue is getting heavy. So, oh my goodness, Douglas, I can't even follow that. Right. Go ahead. What is the earth?
1: And if you think happiness, I mean, this is something that I've learned, and don't take it from me, the one who struggles being happy (laughs) daily. But I feel like we have to be happy based on ourselves and not by the people around us because. Otherwise,
0: you're relying on other people to make you happy and you can't control other people, but you can control yourself. Not necessarily because it comes from within. So if you're making people happy around you, In turn, that's what makes me happy.
1: Yeah, but if you can't make someone happy, like if I can't make Gracie happy, my heart gets shattered. But if I realize that she's just two and I can't make her happy anyways, (laughs) my heart won't be shattered. I'll just keep trying, but at least I'm not going to be miserable
0: because of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, as far as like the kids go, she could be happy within a second of being totally upset. I'm just saying if you know in your heart you're doing everything you can to love and be happy and create happiness around you, that's what I mean by perfect happiness. Gotcha. For me, perfect happiness is, honestly,
1: I don't even know what. I'm striving for happiness. And I think that it's definitely not perfectionism. I struggle with that. But, you know, I'm in the midst of trying to make myself happy with postpartum depression. And like, I do know it's possible. Like, I mean, I do take medication and I'm not... There used to be such a stigma in my own head associated with that. I wouldn't tell a soul that mm. I took depression medicine because I just felt like it was... I do too. It like, I feel like it labeled me. Like, you know, I don't know. But anyways, I'm probably not the right person to ask about perfect happiness right now because I'm like
0: no, it's exhausted. Your own, no, it's what you feel would be perfect happiness. It's not kind of like how you're feeling, but what would what's perfect. your definition of perfect happiness?
1: To me, perfect happiness is like of course my family and friends are all healthy and happy but also that i don't care what other people think about me or i don't make myself have to live up to some certain image that i think is important or appropriate and i'm really trying to get there i'm trying to get there but um not there yet i hear you moving on what is your greatest fear douglas
0: hmm honestly my greatest fear is kidnapping of my kids
1: yeah or I feel like, or Lady Dying, you're always scared of too.
0: That, yeah, but I know I'll get over that. Um. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, Ladies are dogs. Yeah, I think with dogs, at some point you have to start to mentally prepare for that dog dying.
1: Yeah, she's seven right now, seven um, and a half. So. I'm not ready
0: for her to go by any means. And I will do what I can to protect her because I, I love that dog more than anything. But truly my fear with kidnapping is just not being there for my kids. And, you know, kidnapping as sort of a physical thing that happens to them would be devastating. But Also, just like not being able to protect my kids with any situation, like anything major like that, that's my greatest fear. Yeah, that's a pretty big fear. My biggest fear is dying. I'm not going to lie. Like I am
1: terrified of dying because I want to be able to enjoy life with my babies and my husband and... I want to grow old with you and get to live all of that. I want to have grandbabies yeah. and I just don't want to die. So that's my biggest fear. Okay. Uh, what is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Deplore. That's deplore, a big
0: word. Is, yeah. That means to loathe or hate. I married a scholar. Did, just in case you didn't know that.
1: <laughs> I honestly wasn't quite sure what deplore. It sounded like it was a negative word though. Deplore. Yeah. That doesn't sound very happy.
0: Say the question again. What is the trait you most deplore in yourself?
1: This is a real optimistic podcast so far.
0: I kind of like this question because I deplore the fact that I wait till the last minute to do things. To
1: do everything.
0: Yes. And it's this misconception in my head that I do better under pressure. And sometimes when I start to delay things and wait till the last minute, 9,000 things pile on top and sometimes I could forget. And I just, I, I deplore that about me.
1: The thing that I deplore about myself is definitely like depression and which comes with pessimism. And I try so hard to be an optimistic, happy, positive person. But when you're in the midst of like battling, I guess, depression, it's just hard. So I if I could change one thing about myself, it would be that I am not a depressed person. Oh, my God, I would do anything.
0: Well, I think some of that's a chemical imbalance,
1: too. Though. Yeah, I you know, know some, but some I'm taking people, medicine yeah. and that's not fixing the chemicals. So I'm trying to <laughs> like change the way I eat. I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to wake up and meditate and think of all the things I'm happy for. Like, and you I can should be
0: happy with and proud of yourself for following through because you are doing these things no, and you are and making am. these changes and not just saying it to say it.
1: No, I know I am. And I am very proud of myself for that because it's not yeah. effing easy, but I just wish I didn't have to struggle with it. But anyways, moving on. A lot of people struggle with it. So gonna stop the pity party. <laughs> <laughs> What's your greatest extravagance? Jeez Louise, these are kind of like deep questions. Let's make these rapid fire, Doug. What's your greatest yeah. extravagance?
0: Greatest extravagance. I don't even know what that is. Like what is something you're most proud of? How about that? Oh, two healthy babies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm very, very proud of having two healthy babies that are growing. I mean, my son is a giant and he's living (laughs) strictly off my breast milk. So that makes
0: me feel pretty darn good. I mean, and that's kind of the obvious answer. If you take kids out of the way, I think I would choose this marriage and what we've built as a family. Honestly, same. I you feel know. like
1: people heard married at first sight six years ago, seven years ago when it first came out and they were like, oh, that would never work. What a travesty to yeah. marriage. And this is such a mockery. And it was like, okay, I get where you're coming from. But actually, we genuinely want marriage and mm-hmm. family. And yeah. just because it's not normal for you and your way of life doesn't mean that it can't be Something that's so special and remarkable. And, yeah, and we've I think turned we, it into that.
0: Yeah. And I think that we did it without us forcing it. You know, like we did it. Just, yeah. We did what came natural and, and our feelings. And we just kind of went with it. And we've really built a really solid foundation, I think. And, you know, with growing our family and, you know, just everything that we've done, I'm just really proud of what we've done.
1: Same. Aw, teamwork makes a dream work. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So what's your current state of mind, Doug?
0: My current state of mind is content.
1: My current state of mind is, honestly, I have the foggiest brain. <laughs> anybody who's postpartum, I swear you must understand me. Like, I don't know. It's like there's like mom brain and there's pregnancy brain and then there's just foggy brain. Something in the middle. It's like off the charts. Like yeah. I can forget things. It's just wild how foggy my brain is. Like I can start one task and move on to the next before I even finish the first. And then before you know it, I have a bunch of things that are kind of left undone. And like a whole lot of things are started, but nothing's really finished. And I really do just don't like that but what's the most overrated virtue in me no i think in general like there's seven virtues aren't there something like that seven wonders of the world seven virtues in life (laughs) like patience is a virtue kindness is a virtue uh maybe like this is foggy brain coming in uh (laughs) intelligence maybe is a virtue what are the virtues Mm, i feel like this is biblical right now
0: virtue behavior showing high moral standards what are the seven virtues of the bible See, I knew there is were that seven what virtues. It is? Yes. Um, hmm. faith, hope, charity, fortitude, justice, temperance, prudence. Now I have to look up these words. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say if we're talking about virtues like the seven virtues of the Bible, I'm going to say something that's very overrated is
1: prudence.
0: Like, I don't know what the f- prudence is. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say, I'm going to say justice. You can't say justice. I'm going to say justice is the most overrated because justice for one is not the same justice for another. And yes, justice is great, but if we work on the faith, hope, charity, fortitude, temperance, I feel like... And prudence. And prudence. (laughs) We all will come together and collectively just be on the same wavelength, the same playing field, which is so unrealistic nowadays, especially. And I wouldn't enjoy a society like that because I enjoy debate. I enjoy difference of opinions. And I think that's what makes the United States great because we have that freedom of speech, but justice, I think, is something that's overrated because there's no clear definition of it. And justice for one may be injustice for another. Yeah, It needs to be just more realistic and just be good people.
1: Doug, your answers are so lengthy. I know. But you've literally just convinced me that justice, and when you first said justice, I was like that. You can't choose that. But you literally just convinced me that and now I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, you're right. Justice is overrated because just because like you said, justice for me may not be justice for you. Mm-hmm. So how is there any justice involved like for everybody? But okay, so my answer is the same. You just convinced me he <laughs> should be a lawyer. <laughs> On what occasion do you lie, Doug? I mean, I can think of one occasion in particular that you lied, nearly mm-hmm. broke us up. What other occasions do you lie, Doug? Uh,
0: I think it was just that. I don't think so. No, I think it, which I've been very, very good about. And it was something that was a habit of mine before we got married. So, you know, you have habits and, you know, they're hard to break sometimes. But the circumstances where I would lie would be when something would make me look weak or weak-minded, Would you say
1: Um, you still struggle with that?
0: Not really, because I feel comfortable around you. You know, like it was more not so much major, major lies. It was like little white lies. Like, yeah, I called this person or yeah, this and that, which sometimes you fall into those habits. But, you know, I think I've been great about it lately. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, the cigarette incident, when I was saying that, it was, you know, I obviously didn't know you, you didn't know me. But lying is never, I'm not making an excuse for it, but... That was just an example of me not wanting to look a certain way, and uh, I'm trying to lie myself away from that situation, and that was it.
1: You don't sound very confident when you say, I think I've gotten better about my white lies.
0: I have, though. I have gotten, I mean, 100% better. I hope you have, because then I'm just not catching on. I only lie when I'm doing bad or illegal things. That's the only times that I lie. (laughs) Um, when do I lie?
1: I honestly I'm a brutally honest person and that doesn't necessarily I don't know what's better, telling white lies, or maybe I should say this, I don't know what's worse, telling white lies or being brutally honest because you know, both could be like kind of sharpened up a little bit, but um, yeah, sometimes just
0: saying nothing is better.
1: Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's true. But I don't really lie. I honestly just do not lie. I have no reason to lie about anything. If I have to think about a lie, I mean, maybe if I'm speeding, but honestly, <laughs> sometimes I even <laughs> tell the truth with a cop if I'm speeding. Cause I'm like, it's better to tell the truth. Because then they're like, okay, so she's not trying to just dig her way out of it. You know, <laughs> like it is what it is. Like I, I would just say, oh my gosh, I No, it's 55. If Mm. I was going higher, I obviously didn't mean it, but, you know, my bad. (laughs) And sometimes (laughs) they just let me off the hook because of that. I haven't been speeding, though, in a really long time because since we had our children, I've gotten better.
0: And you haven't really drove much.
1: Well, that too. We're in quarantine, so it's (laughs) not like I'm going anywhere these days. Uh, What do you most dislike about your appearance, Douglas?
0: Uh, Definitely my weight. I'm not at my fighting weight, and I feel too skinny. And it's weird to say, and it sounds... I don't know. There's a certain image that I have in my head where I feel comfortable and that's being a little bit heavier. And it's very hard for me to gain weight. Very, very hard, which is tough for me to say out loud because not everybody has that problem. But it is an issue just like how people would say it's tough for me to lose weight. Um, that's the same as how I feel.
1: Yeah. Like when Doug used to say, I can't gain weight, I would almost like be like, Oh, I wish I had that problem. (laughs) But after we talked about it, it was really kind of rude of me to say that because, you know, if I said I can't lose weight and he said, I wish I had that problem, that wouldn't make me feel good, you know? And so I've learned that it's a genuine concern for him that he's skinnier than he would like to be. It's an
0: insecurity of mine for sure.
1: Yeah. And it's not just because I would... (laughs) I honestly would love to have (laughs) that problem. I better not say that because it it does make him insecure. So Mm -hmm. I do not have that problem. Uh, (laughs) I tend to gain weight just fine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think that something that I don't like about my appearance is... I tend to slouch a lot, which I feel like I just hate the way that that makes me look and feel like it makes me feel like inferior and not confident. And I just want to have like better posture. I feel like that would. I could see that. Yeah. I slouch a lot and I don't want to end up having like a humpback when I'm older. (laughs) Would you want me
0: to call you out on it?
1: uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because I think I do it without even knowing, like especially like right now I'm slouching because I'm holding Hendrix. And if I'm nursing Hendrix, I'll be slouching. Sometimes when you're on your phone, you slouch. And Yes, if I'm like scrolling Instagram, I tend to just slouch and look. And I don't want to be like that, you know? So, okay. Anyways, which living person do you most despise? So someone living, who do you despise? I don't know if I like these questions. (laughs) Like why does that have to be despised? Why
0: despise? I don't really despise. Do I despise anybody?
1: I don't despise anybody either. Like there's no one I despise. Hmm. I mean, there's people that do some crazy things that I don't agree with, but I don't like hate yeah. anybody. I don't wish ill intentions on anybody. I genuinely I dis- don't.
0: I despise sex traffickers. Okay. That's who I despise.
1: Yeah, I could go with that or like someone who murders someone, but... I don't know them, so <laughs> I, don't, I can't like name one person. You yeah, just wait
0: till you see them on 2020 or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll despise them then. Uh, what is the quality you most like in a man?
0: Ooh, the men that I thirst over. <laughs> I like someone that's down for anything. I like that trait about people just, you know, oh you want to go do this. Yeah, sure. Or, you know, just to come along or even if you don't want to do anything, it's just like, oh you just want to kind of sit around or hang out. Yeah, sure. Like I just like that person.
1: I feel like you are that person, Doug. I try to be. You really are because I'll say anything and you're, well, unless it's going for a walk, you don't like to go for a walk Incredible. or a hike, which is all I want is him which to go I, for a walk or a hike yeah, with me.
0: Which a hike is fine, but the walk is just, I don't know, not dumb in my opinion. I don't want to say it's dumb cuz that sounds that sounds bad, but just a, a walk is is just tedious. It's not tedious. It's fun. So it's got no... Uh, no, be- it's not it's not that fun. <laughs> it's not. You're just walking. Okay, I it's think not it's like, fun. You know, if, if you're in a vacation spot or if you're like walking on the beach, that's different. But if you just want to go for a walk down the street, like I'm just... My heart is never in it. Yeah. And (laughs) so I tell
1: him if his heart's not in it, then don't even bother (laughs) because I don't want to deal with like the moaning and the groaning. Oh,
0: I just get so annoyed.
1: I know he loves me when he'll go for a walk with me (laughs) without complaining. (laughs) What is the quality you like most in a man for me? I think someone, I mean, I have like a lot of qualities, like someone who can, (laughs) (laughs) someone who can make me laugh, someone who makes me feel comfortable around them, someone who listens to me. What did you say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes me feel heard. I really love those qualities in someone. Which words or phrases do you most overuse, Doug? Probably the word, um. Yeah,
0: I think you say um a lot. For me? I've been trying to be more conscious. I, you know, on my sales calls and on this podcast, I am very aware of trying to not say um. So That's good. For me, I think I say, I hate it
1: when I say Like. I don't. Do you think I say like a lot? I don't notice it to an annoying point. No, that's good. When I was younger, I said like like every other word, and
0: yeah, it is weird when you hear people say that.
1: Like, I ate like this like a really big like potato. Like what? <laughs> like that. That is how I used to talk. <laughs> but I was also a teenager. But I was aware of it you in my a early girl. I guess I was aware of it in my early twenties, and I really like. I really worked hard. <laughs> I Doug, you have to say like sometimes. <laughs> I know. I really worked hard breaking "like" out of my dictionary. Or, I like it. And the other thing I definitely overuse is long story short, because <laughs> I can never tell I don't a know short if you are aware story. Of that, though I am aware of it, I'm trying not to say it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what or who is the greatest love of your life? Ooh, I mean, it's no question. Jamie is. That better be your answer. Yeah, there's no question. You said about that, that like you weren't sure. No, I mean, well, because when you throw kids in the mix, but they're not the greatest love of my life, you are.
1: Oh, that's really sweet. It is hard to choose, though, between yeah. your, your husband and your kids.
0: It's they're all my greatest love. Yeah, it's loves. a different type of love. Yeah. I bet when, they're both unconditional. I don't know. I want to know if this is boring to you guys. Me too, because it's kind of boring to me. Is this interesting on some level? Because I feel like these are just, like, really scratch-the-surface type questions. Like
1: Moving on, though, Doug. When and where were you happiest? mm. You answer that first. Okay, I'll go first. There are a few times that I was like happiest and truly, I'm not even kidding you when my mom, so I don't know if everybody knows the whole story behind, you know, how I grew up and whatnot, but my mom suffered from being addicted to drugs. And so she would just leave for like weeks at a time. We would have no food. We'd have nothing. Eventually we ended up, she was just gone all the time and I was only 19. So I ended up. I like wanted to get out of that situation, which I always have a little bit of regret because I didn't take my siblings with me, but I ended up renting my own little trailer and it was a two bedroom trailer, but it was mine. I mean, it had a, a leaking roof and a hole in the floor, but I didn't care because it was mine. And so I moved there, but then like literally within a month, my mom ends up getting straight up evicted out of this trailer and they locked it and boarded it up so that she couldn't get back in because she hadn't paid the bills in such a long time. So my siblings come to live with me in this little, you know, rundown trailer that I'm renting. And I've got to tell you that that was genuinely the happiest I've ever been because my siblings and I bonded like you wouldn't believe. Like I was in school full-time, plus I worked part-time as a waitress. So I had like next to no time to just hang with them because I was obviously just trying to keep us all afloat. But we all had our chores. We all helped each other. I remember one time we watched The Exorcism of Emily Rose I think that's what it was called. And no joke, I remember we all were crying and praying together. (laughs) Um, We were just like a bunch of kids living together. (laughs) And I know that sounds, I don't know, wild, but it was genuinely the best time of my life because we grew such a close bond that just has never been broken since then. Like We were never that close, I think, uh, as kids because I live with different people. Like We all live different places and I didn't always live at home with my mom. It's a long story, but any case, that was the best time of my
0: life. Yeah. See, for me, I, there's also a couple and there's different forms of happiness for me. Cause I, you know, I'm thinking back, like my one dream was to become a professional baseball player. And when I actually got invited to an invite only tryout with the Mets at a high school, like that was huge. And then I had several other professional baseball tryouts after that, buying our house and moving in while we were pregnant and just about to deliver our daughter. Like that was, I mean, it wasn't the best and happiest time with our relationship. No, um, it wasn't. By any means. But, you know, that accomplishment was an extremely happy time for me. And then, yeah, I think just with kids, I think that's the obvious answer, though, too.
1: Yeah. Okay. So which talent would you most like to have? And if you guys listened to last episode, then you probably know what my <laughs> answer is. How about you, Doug? What talent would you most like to
0: have? Hmm.
1: You're really thinking about this. Yeah.
0: I think being a videographer. Doug, you can be a videographer. I know, but if right now, if I were to go for like an extreme talent, I think it would be that, like making movies.
1: Oh, well, fun fact about Doug, I don't know if you guys know, but he is starting a YouTube channel just right. for children. That's like right. Like videos that Gracie and Hendrix would like to watch and maybe your kids would want to watch. I'm going to try to help encourage him because he's definitely more of a... I don't know, dreamer, an artistic person, whereas... <laughs> I have and a lot of ideas down. Yeah, he's got lots of ideas. He thinks he has to buy something every other day. And I'm like, just make a video already <laughs> and we'll share it for heaven's
0: sakes. Yeah, I got to um, put them together because I do have a lot of videos, like stop motion videos, Play-Doh videos, making things, different stuff to do around. But I also want to encourage Henley with all of this. And I think it'll be a bonding experience for us. And that's really the drive behind the Kids Channel is just, you know, something to help. Our relationship with Henley, but also to have her learn and and experience that. She
1: loves watching YouTube and videos on YouTube, and I'm like, if we can make sure that they're all educational, that would be awesome for obvious reasons. So, and Doug is just so talented. Like, I mean, you've never met a more creative guy who has the patience Uh, of a saint.
0: I do love creating.
1: Yeah. You're so good at it. I mean, I can't even think of some scenarios that you just like (laughs) whip out of your head. And I'm like, wow, that was brilliant. So now I'm like, okay, we have to like pull these ideas together and actually get them on YouTube. And then Gracie, I would love for her to just watch her daddy's videos and then she'll learn from them. And I need like four more hours in the day. Yeah. Doesn't everybody need like 10 more hours every day?
0: I mean, that'd be great.
1: I'm not going to lie. Like I've actually talked to Doug about maybe quitting his nine to five job because he spends more hours than nine to five at this job. And I think it's any sales role. Yeah, everybody works harder. You know, most people work more than 40 hours a week, I think. But, like, if we're able to swing it, I would love to be able to have him at home. Well, he's at home anyways, but you know yeah. what I mean. Anyways, which channel would I like to have? Aren't you curious, Doug? Singing. <laughs> It's true. How about that? I really do want to be a good singer. Okay, tell me. I took voice lessons for a long time. I'm going to try to sing something in my real voice right now. (laughs) And tell me Um, (laughs) that's what Doug does when I sing. But I want to hear from you, you listening, if you think I'm really that bad. I mean, I don't think I'm that bad.
0: Do not turn your radios up.
1: I don't think I'm that bad, Doug. What song do you guys want me to sing? I used to sing Carrie Underwood. I used to sing, what was that called? Before He Cheats. Maybe <laughs> I can't do it. I'm gonna do it on the spot. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do it. I'm gonna show you how good of a singer I am. And when I was younger, I used to make my sister listen to me sing over and over. Over and over again, and I'd be like, does that sound good? Does that she's like, yes, Jamie, you sound good. Like, I think she just said it to shut me up. (laughs) But wait, I'm gonna sing for you guys, and you should please tell me if you think I'm a good singer or not. Here we go. Cowboy Casanova by Carrie Underwood. You ready for it, guys? Whoa! (laughs) Whoa! Doug's face right now.
0: Hendrix's face right now.
1: You better take it from me. That boy is like a disease. See, I'm not so bad. (laughs) You run and you try and you're trying to hide and you're wondering why you can't break free. He's like a curse. He's like a drug.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Was I good? Yeah, it was great.
1: <laughs> Listen, I have the guts to sing on the podcast. Good for you. I was living my dream for <laughs> 10 seconds there. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Enough of the silliness. <laughs> Truly, though, if I could sing like Carrie Underwood, all of my dreams would be coming true. Yeah. But I can't. It's okay. She can have that role.
0: <laughs> On that note, I think it's time to bring on the Earls family.
1: Yes. I wonder if (laughs) they'll think I'm a good singer.
0: (laughs) But first, something that I wanted to mention real quick, a lot of us are working from home, obviously. For those of you that have children at home, you know there's a lot of online learning, whether it's through Skype or through a computer. A lot of screen time is happening. And I, for one, was concerned with Henley watching too much of the tablet. I don't know what it does to your eyes, but when I was looking everything up, there is this blue light blocking available on glasses, which I guess protects your eyes from any harm for there. But this will actually apply to any parents that have kids, whether they need glasses or if they just need the blue light blocking lenses. There's a company, Jonas Paul, out there that specializes in glasses for kids between four and 16. I never had to go shopping for glasses, but I know Jamie did, and she hated going to the eye doctor and then to the store. And then when you're in the store, you only have a couple minutes, you have to try them on and then make a decision. Apparently it's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure to buy something. So Jonas Paul, they have a home try-on kit available for just a dollar that allows you to check out their glasses for a week without even leaving your home. The kids can wear the eyeglasses, see how they feel, get a sense of how they look, and then they can easily just order them from Jonas Paul. So you can easily test out the glasses, test out how they look, and then just simply order online all from the comfort of your couch. Yeah, so their prescription glasses start at $79, including prescription lenses. They also have the blue light blocking lenses available for every Jonas Paul, both prescription and non-prescription glasses, which is perfect for extra screen time and if they do have online learning. So. For those of you that have children that may or may not need glasses or if you're concerned about the screen time, definitely check out the Jonas Paul website. You can go to jonaspauleyewear.com and use the promo code COOLPARENTS15 to get $15 off your order. Again, that's Jonas Paul Eyewear, J-O-N-A-S-P-A-U-L-E-Y-E-W-E-A-R.com. Use the code COOLPARENTS15 and get 15% off. And speaking about working from home, for any of you that are working from home, I'm fortunate enough to where I work for a software company and I am able to do my work from home. I've noticed that I do better during the day when I actually dress up rather than just staying in pajamas the whole day. I feel better. I feel like I work better. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But I was talking to Jamie about this and she is a huge, huge fan of beta brand dress pant yoga pants. They are extremely stylish and As a guy, I find them extremely sexy on Jamie. She has a ton of different colors. They also offer skinny, cropped, eight pocket more, and they also launch new styles weekly. So getting ready for work, deciding whether you wanna have a professional day or comfortable day, Beta Brand pants gives you the comfort of wearing yoga pants, but they're actually dress pants. So it does make you look great without having to deal with a lot of uncomfortable clothing when you're working from home. So definitely check out betabrand.com slash HMCP you can get 25% off your first order I know Jamie has a whole entire draw filled with these pants so find out why a lot of women are ditching typical work pants for beta brand dress pant, yoga pants go to betabrand.com slash HMCP get 25% off your first order again they're doing this for a limited time so betabrand.com slash HMCP 25% off your first order
1: Okay, so excited to have Rachel and Harold Earls on. They're authors, YouTubers, and parents to Wyatt and Leo, and they're our guests today. Rachel spends her time vlogging and running her successful business in Earl Family Foundation. Captain Harold is an active duty Army officer currently serving as the commander of the Guard, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Their YouTube channel has over half a million subscribers, and it's where they, as Rachel says, love God, love people, make a difference, and they're thankful. Hey guys, welcome so much to the show real fast your family business and Earl family foundation. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is?
2: Yeah, of course. And we're so excited to be here, Jamie. Oh, my goodness. Like, so fun to hang out.
1: Thanks for having us. Oh, my goodness. You just saw the whole behind the scenes here at the podcast with Hendrix was like so fussy. And of course, it's time for us to chat. And that's just like how it goes, right? Mom life. And that's when he gets fussy.
2: (laughs) Yep. Keeping it real. That's what we like to do, too. Just raw and real. But um, the Earl's Fam Foundation. So that was kind of my dream all along when I started my YouTube channel was I I realized as I was sharing my life and sharing my story, people were relating to that, but then also sharing what was going on in their life and their hardships. And I empathize with people and I care so much. And so I saw a need there and I brought it up to my husband. I said, honey, wouldn't it be so cool if we could create a foundation and give back to our community that watches our videos and figure out a way to like financially bless them through whatever those hardships are. And so it's been really incredible. We have a team of volunteers and we do monthly projects. I mean, just try to meet those different needs.
1: Oh my gosh, you guys are saints already. I mean, seriously. Okay. So (laughs) I know that like you guys just released a book very recently here in June and we're in June still. We're so excited to chat about this. It's called A Higher Calling and it's all about your love story and the struggles you went through as a couple. And obviously I want to get to all of that. But first, I want to just say a big, huge congratulations because you guys made the national best selling list. That is no small task. So congrats on that. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your journey together. Wow.
3: Yeah, great question. So as far as the book writing journey, that has been a very long path. We actually had no idea how no difficult idea. and strenuous it would be, honestly, to write a book. But I think it's in part because we poured our absolute heart and soul mm-hmm. into that book and into that story. And quite frankly, that story, as we've lived it in real life in our first year of marriage, and I set out to climb Everest in our first year of marriage, it took a lot of toll on our marriage. So not only to write that was hard, we had to go back and relive those moments. I think it opened up a lot of things for us as we wrote.
2: Yeah. So a little backstory about our book. Like you said, it details our whole beginning of our relationship, how we met and fell in love, how my husband proposed. There's a bunch of surprises in there. We like surprises. But then my husband had this big dream of climbing Mount Everest. And he just happened to do that during our first year of marriage, which I mean, is kind of my Mind blowing no to think about.
3: Time.
1: There's no better, time. Time.
2: <laughs> really better the only when time. you had your
1: first baby, I guess. There's that, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so we were trying to get pregnant as well, and so it was oh, so no. much to work through. And so the book was really a good reflection piece for us to kind of work back through all the emotions and everything that we were going through.
0: Wow. Well, first of all, too, Harold, thank you for your service.
3: Yeah, I appreciate your support.
0: Yeah. So I actually, it was funny that you kind of brought that up because when Jamie and I first got together, I had a pre-baby bucket list that I needed to tackle before <laughs> before we could have a baby. And it included diving with great white sharks down in South Africa. Dang, yes. uh, exactly. Yes. Uh, a real safari, skydiving. And for my birthday, my wife kind of set up everything but mount everest was not on the <laughs> list where did that come from
3: yeah it's funny so several of those things you mentioned was actually on my bucket list so i had created it when i was in my barracks room i was a junior I had a cow at West Point, as we call it. And so I wrote out a list really similar to yours, honestly. For me, I'm actually from Georgia. I'm from the good old state of Georgia where I don't like cold weather and our tallest mountain is shorter than 5,000 feet. So for (laughs) me, I wanted to put myself personally in an environment and in a challenging situation and see essentially what I was made of and see if I was capable of climbing it.
0: And what was the biggest challenge gearing up for Mount Everest? I imagine there's a lot of logistics that go into it. I mean, can anybody just say, I want to climb Mount Everest and then go to the mountain and climb?
3: Uh, No, not at all. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, surprisingly. So yeah, there's a ton of logistics, a ton of fundraising. And I think what was kind of neat through that was how Rachel, I originally told her. So I called her for my bear stream and I had this crazy idea. And I thought for sure she was going to push back on it. And what was really cool is how through all the logistics and all the training and all the funding that it took, how not only did she support me, she came on and she was like, what can I do to make this happen with you? And what was really cool is how our relationship actually grew through that time. And I honestly learned a lot about love because to me, it showed a deeper side of love that I hadn't seen before, right? Where like you expect your family to support you and going and pursuing your dreams. But what I didn't realize was someone coming alongside me and running the race with me.
1: Yeah, that's wild, especially because she wants to have your babies. And if you're not around, (laughs) she can't
3: have your (laughs) babies. Yes. Jamie, we had actually talked right before I left because we were like, man, should we get pregnant? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was like a big dilemma. Because for me, I was like, look, this is like an insurance policy. I'm all about (laughs) keeping my lineage going, like if something happens. I want there to be another, you know, Harold Earls to carry things on. So, yeah, and then Rachel was like, I don't know if I can do that. There's all sorts of things. If I get pregnant, then what does that look like if you don't come back?
0: Yeah. I'm sure it was an emotional goodbye also, right?
2: Yeah, you know, the funny thing was that because it was all those logistics, I mean, it's really expensive to climb Mount Everest. I mean, Harold was still in the army, right? And so there's a lot of steps that we had yeah. to walk through. Right. And so even up until that very last day, it was still just like trying to make it happen. So Our emotions really couldn't even set in. I remember I was filming a video because I was running the social media for the whole Everest expedition, like while he's at the airport leaving and it wasn't until he was literally walking away that I'm like, oh my gosh, like that very well could have been like my last hug, my last goodbye forever, you know? I can't imagine
1: being married to someone who has an occupation or, you know, desires of climbing Mount Everest. Just being married to someone when every time you give them a hug goodbye and they go to work, Uh. it could be their last time. And you have that with him being in the military as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think it's just given me such a deeper appreciation for all the men and women in situations of, you know, sacrifice. And while Mount Everest is a little different, but just specifically like for our servicemen and women and just what their families go through, you know, I had no idea before I met Harold and lived this life on my own, you know, so I didn't really appreciate it until now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And before the climb, I mean, you had a mission to draw attention to veteran suicide and PTSD, right? Was that also something you were raising awareness for?
3: We did. So it's interesting. I, I think how it started out is... Really, it started out like selfishly as me wanting to climb Mount Everest It was something I always wanted to do. But I think what was really neat, I had a mentor of mine, Command Sergeant Major Todd Burnett, and he started talking to me more about his personal struggles. He's been in the military for a long time with post-traumatic stress and to the point of wanting to take his own life one day. And so he shared that with me. And that was someone that I had looked up to more than anyone in the world in regards to a person and a leader. Someone that I admired and to realize that PTSD and suicide is such a real and prevalent thing. And not just in the military, honestly, just in this country. I didn't know. I mean, I was 23 at the time. And so I think the the beautiful thing is how, you know, we were able to use that and Sergeant Major was able to come in and say, hey, why don't you guys do this for a cause? And what was neat is how we not only were just climbing, you know, for the sake of climbing, then it was something much more than that.
0: Wow. And that's incredible. And thankfully that you had a sergeant and you had someone that was, you know, as truthful and forthcoming.
1: Uh Yeah, because I think that a lot of times, especially people who suffer with anxiety and whatnot, there's such a stigma around it that it's hard to be very honest and truthful about that. I wanted to ask, what advice do you have for anyone who's anxious or fearful? I mean, obviously, Harold, you were gone for 63 days. I mean, you must have gone through some sort of anxiety and, you know, fearfulness during that time, I can only imagine. And how did you cope?
3: I would say ask yourself what grounds you, right? For me, it's faith. Faith is the bedrock of who I am as a person. And so that I know that when I get in situations, that's what I turn to, right? So I think it's super important to really know who you are and know what your bedrock is. And also know the people that you can reach out to, right? Because we are human, we are going to be scared, we are going to be anxious, we are going to have a whole litany of emotions that we feel. But it's important for us to reach out and share that. So whether it's someone struggling with suicide or someone who's scared, you know, of losing their job, it's important to share that and communicate with others because we're human.
2: Yeah, I definitely think we're not meant to carry any of those burdens by ourselves. You know, whatever it is. We're meant to be able to lean on other people. Humans are meant to have relationships, right? And so definitely reaching out. I love that you said that, honey.
0: Yeah, I really do and a lot of the listeners especially do appreciate people like you. I'm- For those that share their voice and bring awareness to things that are kind of behind closed doors or, you know, people that are feeling a certain way, I think it's important. And the mission that you guys do, was climbing Mount Everest the hardest thing that you've ever had to do in your life? Yes, very
3: much well, so. Well, he's
1: never given birth. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best answer ever, Rachel.
3: <laughs> she one outs me all the time. That yeah. mean, all the time.
1: you can never top giving birth. I'm sorry. Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah. My wife just went through a home birth with no epidural, so I can't complain about oh, anything God. ever again in my entire life. Nothing.
2: <laughs> Jamie, you are a warrior, girl. A warrior.
3: Doug, was it difficult on you, or did you do all right? Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> I mean, it, it took me a week to recover. Ever. All right. That, image, yep. that was in my head. But um, yep. It, yep. yeah, my back <laughs> hurt a little bit after cleaning up the pool.
3: Same. Yeah. <laughs> cleaning the pool, drinking some
0: tea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ay, ay, ay. But ay, ay. I'm still amazed by women that can do that. It's just unbelievable.
1: Okay. <laughs> now I'm blushing because this isn't about me. <laughs> but, uh, I-, I wanted to talk to you guys because you guys have what seems to be a very healthy, strong, solid relationship and, you know, you're also quite young. I mean, you guys were kind of talking about your age earlier. You said, Harold, that you were 23 whenever you were chatting with the the sergeant, I believe you called him, the person who was above you or whatever for the army.
3: Yep. Sergeant yeah, sergeant major.
1: Yeah, so you're really young and you're also very young parents. You know, I think you could be a parent at any age, really, obviously, but not you're young. Not 12, not 12. <laughs> you're very young. You're in your 20s and you have two babies. One is three and one is only one. And you guys, I mean, your husband, Rachel, climbed Mount Everest your first year of marriage <laughs> and you guys have made it through. And so I would love to hear more about if you have like any sort of insight on what kind of keeps you together and what, how, what kind of maintains your strong relationship, because I don't know about everybody listening, but like I could always use all the tips. I'm always learning.
2: (laughs) I mean, I think, you're so right, Jamie, we are always learning and we don't want to give off, you know, the impression that we have all the answers, you know, like we're 28 now. You're right. We have two kids and we've been through our fair share of things, but we just try to grow and learn through everything. And one of the things that has been helpful for us is to always remember that we're on the same team and that's in everything that we face. You know, it could be a job loss. It could be a move, those struggles. It could be climbing Mount Everest. Those things can separate you and you can kind of like argue over them or you can choose to be on the same team and you guys are fighting together against whatever that is. You're facing that together, you know, so just having that mindset is a big Shift And it's funny, it was on our honeymoon, actually, where we kind of came up with our team name. It was kind of by accident, but on our honeymoon, we traveled around Europe. We went to 17 countries in 30 days. Oh,
1: my gosh. Most epic honeymoon ever.
2: (laughs) It it really was. It was wild. But there was one day that I was just like so hungry and I was kind of complaining about it. And Harold was making (laughs) fun of me. But then eventually later, I heard his stomach growl. And so we just laughed about that and said, we're team. team hungry. And so that became our little like team name. But it's such a silly thing. But when we kind of face things, we kind of remind each other, we're like, hey, we're team hungry. You know, it's like you and me against whatever it is we're facing.
1: Okay, so that is obviously so, so sweet. And I absolutely love it. But can you give us like a real life scenario that you guys had to go through that it was hard to be I mean, we all want to be team players like Doug and I say we're uh Teamwork makes the dream work. That's like our thing. But then, like when it's like the nitty gritty, it's like okay, but how do you maintain that team membership yeah. when you're in like the real hard stuff? You know what I'm talking about?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think the time that came to my mind was actually when Rachel started her YouTube channel. So she didn't know anything about YouTube, and one day, this was while I was a cadet. I was like, Hey, you should start a YouTube channel. You should post a video to YouTube because she had always loved doing videography stuff. And so she's like, Okay. And so she ended up posting a video. I thought literally nothing of it. But long story short, what ended up coming of it is it got a lot of backlash in the cadet community. Some people were, like, really hating on it. And so it it was a kind of a choice for me, right? It was something that I could have been like, ooh, no, like, maybe this isn't a good idea. Kind of, like, try to talk her down. Or to be like, hey, I support you. You can do this. Like, don't let naysayers bring you down. And I think what was cool Is how, like, through that, you were able to be like, hey, this has empowered me, right? And then Mm -hmm. what's beautiful is now seeing the community that it's turned into, right? So I feel like at a young age, I kind of had a choice, right? Which was like, hey, do I support my soon-to-be wife, right? Or is it kind of like, do I not support that?
2: Yeah, I think like I know when Harold and I are having a hard time, we're frustrated with each other. It comes down to, I think, knowing your partner and how they respond to things. So like really mm. learning that about each other. I'm someone who I want to step away and get a little bit of time to cool down. And, and Harold... I want to
3: put the boxing gloves on, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and so figuring out how you make that work. And so I might say, hey, I need a little bit of time. And I just mean that respectfully because I know if I talk right then when I'm heated, I'll say something I don't mean, you know? But then I feel like for us, when we have had our separate time, maybe it is we're getting our anger out in our own head. But then we realize, like, this is no fun. Like, I don't want to be mad at (laughs) at him or her. And sometimes it's hard to swallow that and say sorry. But for me, I think even the smallest gesture of, like, you know, crawling in bed and just hugging him. I might not have the power to just say, I'm sorry, I don't want to be upset anymore, but just showing that little act can mean so much. So
0: every time you hug, it means I'm sorry? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, you know it's just a little act of showing like okay we're moving forward towards
1: that never mind doug his sarcastic jokes that's
0: well i mean i love both of your energy i mean if there was two people meant for each other it's you guys compliment each other so well and certainly growing a youtube channel and having subscribers and it's not an easy task and an easy feat. Mm-hmm. When did you notice that this was becoming a thing? When did you start to really feel a sense of community with your channel?
2: Yeah. So, uh, Harold kind of touched on the very first video that I made was it was about signs you're dating a West Point cadet. It was so random. <laughs> That's awesome. It's literally so cheesy. I mean, if you watch it, you'll cringe. It's fine. I definitely watch it now. <laughs> I've come a long way. And, like Harold said, I actually got so much backlash on that video from the West Point community. But on the flip side, I also got so much encouragement from the other girlfriends at the time because it was a voice that they didn't have before. It was someone that they could relate to. And so while people were kind of giving me crap about it, I felt empowered because I was like, oh, well, you know what? Somebody actually does relate to this. And this does mean something to someone. And so if I have to take the heat, like I'll Mm -hmm. gladly do that so that I can give us women a voice. And so that was my first little power move of like, "Okay, this could be something. I could grow a community here. But it didn't really take off until our first pregnancy announcement with our son, Leo. I surprised her. On Christmas morning, and told him that I was pregnant, and he was. So emotional. Yeah, I cried like I just cried. (laughs) It was the sweetest thing ever. And that video went completely viral. I mean, it was just shared on so many different platforms and and reposted everywhere. Um, And so from there, I think a a lot of people found us from that video.
1: That's so sweet. Nothing better than seeing a strong, burly man who's, you know, serving (laughs) his country break down in tears (laughs) over a baby. That's honestly, that's why it went Uh, viral. That's adorable.
3: So are you saying I'm not a strong, burly man? Is that
1: what I'm getting yes. out of this? Yes, and honestly, as a woman, and I'm Rachel. I'm sure you can agree, but like
0: strong men cry too.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing <laughs> when a man who is strong and burly can be at one with his emotions and not, you know, be embarrassed to cry. Like that's just <laughs> nothing is like sexier. So no wonder that went viral.
0: (laughs) And on a side note too, West Point is my favorite campus that I've ever been to. For Mm. college baseball at at Pace University, we played them every year. Oh, cool. And I just love that campus. It's amazing.
3: You said you played Army in baseball?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We played Army for three years straight. We also played Navy.
3: Oh, wow. I yeah, played we, baseball at Army. I don't know if you knew that.
0: Oh, I did not. No.
3: Yeah, I, I played ball there, so Very small nice. world.
0: We, we beat you guys every time, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. do <laughs> <laughs> We actually split. We won three games and lost one. Uh, but no, I wanted to say, did you always want to go to West Point? Did you always want to be a cadet and serve your country?
3: Um, I didn't know about it, honestly, early on. I always wanted to do something in service. I thought I wanted to be like a Navy SEAL. For me, I, I was never lured by like money or anything like that. What drove me was like being able to serve and being able to lead. So the more I learned about West Point, I was like, man, this is a place that I can really like shape myself and serve my country. And it, it was just an obvious fit.
1: That's so incredible. I mean, want to hear a fun, true fact about me, which I'm like the girliest girl. I don't know, like, have I ever would have survived. But when I was in high school, you know, I come from a very, very poor family and, you know, we were on welfare and lived in trailer parks and we just like, didn't have any money, but I really wanted to, I was the first person to graduate out of my family, out of like generations really. And so I really wanted to like continue doing well, I guess in my life. And so I didn't know how to even go to college or like how to get a good job that paid more than minimum wage kind of thing. And so, you know, the army recruiters come and they say, hey, listen, we'll pay for your college. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my way in. And so no joke, I go to like, the assessments, you know, like you know how they they have a mm-hmm. assessments yeah, before you yeah. can like become part of it. And they said I was like two pounds overweight. I'm not even kidding you. And they I'm not <laughs> even kidding you. And as a teenage girl, that really like did not do well for my brain. But I like so they denied me. They wouldn't accept me. But now I look back, I'm like, that was really like God's blessing to me because yeah. I would have loved boot camp, but like maybe being in army, like in war, you know, actual war, Yeah. probably, I don't know that I would have been able to survive that. So, I mean, my biggest hats go off to everybody who's serving because, you know, it's definitely not easy for so many different ways. And before we wrap this up, I just wanted to ask you, because I know that your book came out in the like, right. I'm pretty sure you guys were scheduled to have your book out when George Floyd died, like within days. Yeah. Right?
2: our actual launch date was on blackout tuesday
1: yes i remember seeing that and then you guys pushed your launch date because of that mm-hmm. which is so selfless and so appropriate really mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit more about all of that and like what black lives matter that whole movement what that means to you
3: yeah so we obviously were like we saw what, what was happening right and we saw the horrors of the video, right? Um, I was
2: just in tears. I mean, sitting on Dang. the couch watching it, like I was shaking, Jamie. Like I just like, I cannot imagine that kind of hatred. It, like I just don't understand it, you know? And so Dang. I just break down. Like I literally crying over it.
3: And I think for us, like, yes, our book was coming out that Tuesday, but it was very clear to us. Like there are some things that are bigger than uh-huh. a book. There are some things that are bigger than us or our story, right? And there's stories that need to be heard at sometimes that are more important than ours, especially during that time. And so for us, it was very clear, right? The least we could do is say like, hey, we are gonna stay silent because we want there to be awareness brought around this issue.
1: I mean, I just speaking on behalf of the black community when I'm not black, so maybe I shouldn't do that, yeah, but you should I definitely yeah, shouldn't you do definitely that. Shouldn't. Doug's like, no, that that's really bad. But like, I, I just feel like I'm sure they're so like thankful for that because that was the whole point of the Blackout Tuesday, not speaking on behalf of them because I'm not black, so I can't. But like, like I feel like like as another person just watching, I guess it's it's amazing that you stepped down and you did recognize, you know, and it's so humble and like selfless to even say, like, yeah, there's a story out there that needs to be heard more than mine right now. So I'm gonna stay quiet and lift up their voices instead. I mean, that is truly like the most selfless thing, especially when you've worked obviously super duper hard for this book to come out and you're excited and no one like really wants to push the release date back and i just wanted to give you props for that and thank you because i think that that was 100 percent the right thing to do and clearly yeah. other people agreed because you made the national bestseller list how does that feel
0: yeah
3: i think what was really neat was through all of that week and even up until now is like yes we've had a bestseller which is really really cool But what I think has been really special is how we have learned Mm -hmm. about people different than us during this time. And I think that's one of the biggest things that most people who have been in touch with what's going on can say that they've learned. So like for me in the military, I was like, we don't see color. We don't see race or religion or gender, but it's like, I had people comment. They're like, hey, no, we want you to see that we're black. We want you to see the differences in us. Mm -hmm. And for me, I learned and grew so much as a person and the empathy that I have for other people. I feel like I grew in my maturity through that. So honestly, I'm thankful for that week, not because our book became a bestseller, but because of the things that I learned as a person, I can now show greater empathy to people in my everyday life.
2: You know, and it's interesting, kind of our mission, like you said, we say at the end of all of our is love God, love people, make a difference and be thankful. And of course, that was our hope of what our book would do. But I think also in... The act of, you know, stepping down on that day and lifting up our black community, I feel like that was also a way for us to help make a difference by showing, hey, it's not always about us, you know, like we've got to let it be about other people. Like that is so important. And so I mean, we continue to learn and to find ways, hopefully, that we can see just a better uh, America, better world uh, where people are treated fairly with love and respect as they should
0: be. For sure. And it's such an important lesson for the next generation too, you know, with your boys and passing along the message, Mm -hmm. setting the example and being the example. And you guys are so genuine. And I really do appreciate you being on the podcast. And uh, Jamie and I are definitely fans. Um, And (laughs) So what's next for you guys? I know the book just came out, but what mountain is next to climb? (laughs)
3: <laughs> that No mountains, I can tell you that. No mountains. <laughs> next, I feel like we've been running so hard these yeah, past three years. Very hard. I think we just want to slow life down and really enjoy life over these next months, just as time as a family. We are working on baby number three, which is mm-hmm. exciting, but we want to slow things down a little bit.
2: Yep, we're trying to get pregnant with baby number three, and we're actually moving. We're not exactly sure where yet, but in two months, Harold's yeah, actually, getting, actually out. getting out of the Army. He's getting yeah. out oh, wow. of the Army. Yeah, and so it'll be a huge life change for us us for sure. um, but also you know that slower pace that i think that will be so good for us
1: absolutely and so first of all this is so exciting that you're trying for baby number three i'm sending you all <laughs> the baby dust that's so exciting <laughs> i watched another video with the big burly man crying when you
0: <laughs> we just got the okay to start having sex again so yeah. thank you for that yeah.
1: Which doesn't mean that we are going to start sexy immediately, Douglas Hayner.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but anyways,
1: um, where can everyone find you if they wanted to? I mean, obviously your YouTube channel, but can you please, you know, give everyone listening a chance to find you and follow you? Because I'm sure that they want to keep up with you. And also, where can they find your book?
2: For sure. So our YouTube channel is Earls Family Vlogs. And then on Instagram, you can find me at Rachel Earls and you can find Harold at Harold Earls IV because he's the fourth. And then our book. Yeah, our book is called A Higher Calling and you can find it anywhere books are sold. So like Amazon, really easy.
3: Yeah. Or Earls.org too.
2: Yeah, we have a website, Earls.org.
1: Oh, real fast, because I didn't realize that you were the fourth. Harold, did you and You have two boys and they're not Harold the fifth?
2: They are. Well, are one of them is. Oh, I'm incorrect. Oh, oh I yeah. love
1: yeah. I always it. corrected.
2: It. People, a lot of people don't know this, but our firstborn son, his name is Leo, but his legal name is actually Harold Lloyd Earls the fifth.
3: So what had happened was, is <laughs> Rachel was never a fan of the name Harold. And so I mean, I, who is?
2: It's I, like a grandpa name. I get out of here, <laughs> out of
3: here girl! Generation. And so I made her a true story. Like literally two months into us dating, no, I was that like, "That
2: was like the first day okay, that we talked, probably." So I
3: was like, "You have to promise me if we end up getting married that we can name our firstborn boy Harold." And she was like.
2: yeah well I mean you're not really thinking so I held her to it (laughs) (laughs) so listen when I was pregnant in the beginning I thought it was a girl so I was like okay I'm in the clear and then literally like two weeks before we found out the gender I was like I know it's a boy. I am sure it's a boy and I am screwed. Like I've got to think of something (laughs) fast. And so I started to think of like any nickname I could possibly come up with that could spin off a Harold or Lloyd or something. I like literally could come up with nothing. And so I finally found Leo, just a a random L name. And I was like, that's a really cool name. I like that name. That'll work. You know, a lion is Harold's favorite animal. Maybe he'll go for that. And he loved it. So I'm like, okay. That's awesome.
3: Compromise. So
2: Leo's actually just a nickname. It's not like his legal name or his middle name at all.
1: You know what's so crazy is, do you ever get like any backlash for that? No, because I think
2: half the time they don't know. They and then confused. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they get confused. And the funny thing is, I always thought that. Like growing up, I was like, I don't understand why any parent would ever name their kid like you know, their first and middle name switched and then they go by their middle name or just a Same. random thing. I'm like, why yeah. wouldn't you just name them that? But now I know because you get in situations like this.
1: Okay, girl. So no joke. We, my daughter is Henley Grace and I call her Gracie and everyone is like, why don't you just, why don't you name her Grace then? Why don't you, just name her Gracie then, and I'm like, it's the same thing. So like for me, it's a whole story that I just, she's like my little saving grace because we suffered a loss and then had her, and so she really is just like my saving grace. But I get so much backlash from people like, her name's Henley, why do you call her Gracie? Doesn't she get confused? And I'm like, good golly, people, like can't, I can't have a nickname. <laughs>
2: I know, right? And, and you just say, "Well,
1: I'm the mom," so exactly at that point. But uh, you're smart that you barely even mentioned the fact that Leo is actually Harold the fifth. That is so mm-hmm. cool. I mean, that is really, really awesome that he's the fifth. Like, who can say that there's been that many generations? But anyway, I know it is weird. <laughs> Are you listening right now, honey?
0: I'm
3: all about it too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I just realized that you guys, like us, waited until you got married to have sex with each other. We yeah, did. We did. yeah we did
2: Except
1: we you guys waited did it for far better reasons, probably than than we just happened to get married at first sight. So we had no choice. <laughs> you guys have way more self-control than we do. Uh, but anyways, we were trying to uh, let you guys go. I know you're super busy, but thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us. I am so excited to share this conversation. I know that everybody listening is has had oh. such a great time chatting and hanging out with you guys too so thank you so much for being part of our podcast
3: yes yeah thanks thanks so much honestly anyone listening to just know that we're thinking about you and praying about you this is a crazy time and it's hard for a lot of people so just know that you haven't been forgotten that we are thinking about you as well
1: all right guys we'll talk to you soon and congrats again on your book to everyone listening you guys heard it from her find it anywhere amazon is probably the best because it's just fast and easy and it's called a higher calling all right bye guys
0: You know, and I thought my pre-baby bucket list was awesome and extreme, but climbing Mount Everest is a whole nother level. Don't even get that in
1: your head because I don't think that...
0: I don't even like the cold when my I... My heart could take it. When I wake up in the morning and it's cold. Yeah, same. This you is... going to go to Mount Everest. We got- would love to see Mount Everest.
1: Yeah, we got a Florida home on purpose. And that's because we don't
0: like winters. We like summers. That's right.
1: I want a vacation to the winter where I know I can go home to the sun.
0: <laughs> yeah. There was so much fun to talk to. And I really appreciate them coming in and definitely check them out on YouTube. They have a really, really fun channel.
1: Yeah. And definitely check out their book too. I'm really excited to read it myself. Yeah. And until next week, guys, we love you. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. Find have fun.
0: On, yeah. And you can find us on Instagram or and on social media, hot marriage school parents jamie and otis doug hainer hendrix hainer yes and henley
1: and henley henley grace Hayner too yeah. yeah no we love you guys and hey maybe you want to try singing a carrie underwood song <laughs> i mean can't top me but you can try yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. bye guys bye. see you
1: next week